I'm glad he lives, aren't you? Thankful for that. Take your Bible. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. I want to take just the remaining moments that we have in chapel today to think about a passage of Scripture and relate it to what we're about to do tomorrow and this weekend and next week. Joshua chapter 6. Let's read the first two verses as a start. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Jericho is the first of many cities that God promised to the Israelites as they came now into the promised land. It was the first place that they needed to conquer with God's help. God has promised them the victory. We just read it here in verse number two. He said, I've given it to you. Now, they had no idea how that was going to happen. Uh, They had no idea that God was going to do some very special miracles on their behalf, although they must have thought, boy, God's going to have to do something pretty, pretty powerful here for us to take these cities. If you've ever studied the city of Jericho, you know that it was well fortified. These walls were not walls as we would think of them today. Uh, They were walls that were terraced and and, and very thick. And and, uh, it was an amazing thing to think that they could somehow, without any weapons, without any real military muscle, be able to overtake these cities. And yet God had promised it. And sometimes we look at the command that God gives to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We think, how in the world are we going to do that? There are 8 billion people on the planet. How are we going to take the gospel to every one of them? It's going to take the hand of God. And we think about our responsibility even to this community and getting them the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been commanded to do that. We've been told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I think that includes everybody in Lancaster and Palmdale and Quartz Hill, everybody in the Antelope Valley, in our Jerusalem, as it were, we're commanded to go and give them the gospel. And God promises to us that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So when we go out tomorrow, we have a promise, don't we? We have a promise that God's going to go with us and that God always uses his word and that God is going to bless the giving of the gospel in the lives of people. God has commanded us. God has directed us to win people to Jesus Christ. And that's certainly his desire as well. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God who will have all men to be saved. We might look at some and say, well, man, they're a little strange or maybe they're kind of ornery or maybe they just cussed us out. But remember, God still loves them. God still wants them to be saved. I was in an airport in Philadelphia this past Sunday night on my way back, and I was sitting there just minding my own business, waiting for a flight, and I looked up from my work, and there were two men sitting across me, and they were kissing. And I thought, I don't like this. This sort of turns my stomach. But you know, I had to remind myself God loves them. God loves their soul. God doesn't look them to, at them any different than he looks at me. We're sinners. We've all sinned. 
and come short of the glory of God. And so as we think of our world and we think of the Antelope Valley and we think of our responsibility tomorrow, it's God's will. It's God's plan. And he has promised that he will bless as we accomplish his work. So the question this morning is, are we all on board with that? Are we all ready for that opportunity? The high walls of these cities was no match for God. But the hidden wickedness of Christians always hinders victory. The hardened hearts in the Antelope Valley or the hearts that are indifferent to the gospel, they're no match for our God. He can break down those barriers as we go out tomorrow. He can open doors. He can give us those opportunities. That's his plan. But what will hinder victory is us, as was the case in the story before us. I want you to notice here the holy charge that God gives to these people. Look at verse three. He gives now some instruction. Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. So here's the command. Here's the instruction. And it's very clear. There's no doubt what God is telling them to do. He's given them explicit instructions, just as he's given us explicit instructions with the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. That's not hard to understand. That's not complicated. You really don't need a college education to know that you're supposed to take the good news of salvation to those who have never heard it. Preach the word, Paul told Timothy. Go out and tell people the good news of the gospel. Go, stand, speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Jeremiah said, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. He that hath my word, let him speak my word. Let him speak it. Just go out and speak the word. Go out and give them my message. Uh, God, God will use his word. He promises it will not return void. So the, the command is clear. The holy charge that God gives them is very clear. And he's given us that same charge with respect to the gospel and this community. And notice, secondly, there was a humble compliance. These people were willing to follow the instructions. It may have seemed a bit odd. It may have seemed a bit strange to them. They probably thought the strategy was going to be something a little different than what God prescribed. But notice, even though it might have seemed a little weird to walk around the city without saying a word one day and then two days and then three days and six days, 
And the seventh day, march around seven times, and then we're just going to blow some trumpets and shout, and God's going to give the victory? That seemed a little strange. And we might think, well, really, does it do any good to go out and knock on a door and leave a flyer or hand out a tract or try to give the gospel? Does God really work that way? Well, we need to have a humble compliance to God's holy command. Uh, This required some faith. In verse number eight, it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the re-reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, ye shall not shout or make any noise with your voice Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then you shall shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city going about at once and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on, blowing with the trumpets And the second day they compassed the city once and returned to the camp, so they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city about the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that is therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. So the people comply. There is a humble compliance. Remember, these people have no weapons. They have no machinery of war. They have no military strategy. They have no human ingenuity. They have no manipulation in mind. They're simply doing what God told them to do. You may say, well, I'm not as good at giving the gospel as Dr. R. I haven't done it as long as Brother Furso has done it. I don't think I present it very well. Listen, you don't have to go out tomorrow thinking somebody else is better than you or somebody else is more experienced. You're just given a command. I'm given a command. Let's just do it. Let's just comply to what God said. Let's just obey God's command and let's by faith believe that God's going to keep his word. These people, as they marched around this city, they must have thought, you know, this looks really dumb. And people are staring at us and people are making fun of us. And some of those people up on the wall are laughing at us. And and they probably had some doubts and they no doubt had some fears and they wondered, is this really going to work? But by faith, they kept their eyes on the Lord and they did what God had commanded. And tomorrow, somebody may laugh at us. They may think we're a bunch of weirdos walking around on streets with pamphlets, knocking on doors. They may make fun of the way that we're dressed conservatively and the fact that, you know, we don't cuss or we don't, you know, uh, uh, do things that the world does when they're out in the public. They may make fun of us and they may think we're weird, but you know what? We can just humbly comply to what the Lord has told us to do. But now notice in the midst of this, there was a haughty choice. The city was conquered. And God had told them, we saw it in one of the verses slightly alluded to, that this city belonged to the Lord. 
The first of everything belongs to God. This was the first city. And this city belonged to God. And so God told them, you're not to take any of the spoils. They belong to me. Now you study it, every city after that, that they conquered, God said, take the spoils. Take the silver, take the gold, take the clothing, take whatever you want, it's yours. But the first city, no, it belonged to God. See, the first of everything belongs to God. The first day of the week belongs to God. The first 10% of your income belongs to God. Achan committed the sin of not tithing. The first of everything belongs to God. And it's a real serious thing here because God said, this city is mine. I'm going to show you in your faith what I can do. But you keep your hands off the city. You're going to conquer it. But this first city belongs to me. So you're not to take any of the spoils. He makes that very clear in these following verses. But now look over into chapter 7 for the sake of time. They conquered the city. And there's a great victory. So now they face the next city, which is Ai. And Ai is a small city. It's not as well defensed. The walls are not as high. They're not as great. And so as Joshua and his strategists begin to think about how they're going to take this city, they think, well, uh, God certainly proved himself strong on our behalf at Jericho. Uh, There's no reason for all of us to go against the city of Ai because it's a small city. And so they didn't send everybody out. They sent their, their, their soldiers out and they got beat. They got beat bad. 36 men are dead. 36 women have no husband. 36 families have no dad. And Joshua's beside himself. Joshua's on his face. He's saying, what in the world went wrong? How could we go from such a great victory at Jericho to this stunning defeat at the hands of this little city? And so Joshua comes before the Lord to inquire. And look at chapter 7 and uh, verse number 10, if you will. The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon upon thy face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. So God says, Joshua, the reason you got beat is because there's sin in the camp. Somebody made a haughty choice back at Jericho, and now it's cost you. And you're going to have to get the sin out if you're going to have my power. So look at verse 19 of chapter 7. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, 
And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. One person out of thousands hindered the work of God. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. I'm thoroughly convinced that the vast majority of you in this room are excited about tomorrow. You're excited about the opportunity to give out the gospel. You're glad that you're in a Bible college that would be willing to sacrifice a day of academic training to put some of it in practice and go out and just try to reach people for Christ. But what about you? What are you going to do tomorrow? You going to go get a donut and come back and sign in a bunch of doors that you never knocked on? Like some of you do every other Saturday on your focus report? Maybe just drive down to L.A. where you surely won't be seen by anybody that's outdoor knocking. What about you? One man, Achan, caused defeat. There was a horrible collapse. Look at verse 5 of chapter 7. Go back a little bit. The men of Ai smote them, about 30 and 6 men. They chased them from before the gate, even to, unto Sherebrim, and smote them in the going down, whereof the hearts of the people melted and became as water. A horrible collapse. Defeat at the hands of one. You know, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think we would have ever heard of Achan except that he sinned. Do you think we ever would have heard of Achan? Do you know anybody else that marched around those walls that day other than Joshua? We all know Achan. We, all, we know Achan not because of the victory. We, we know Achan because of the defeat. We never would have heard of this man had he not disobeyed God. Now listen, you may not be the preacher at the hunt. You may not even be in charge of the food. You may not be in charge of the games. In fact, your role might be just to go out tomorrow and invite some people to come. And you might think, I'm an insignificant person. I wonder if Achan maybe thought that. I mean, I'm not Joshua. I'm not the leader. I'm not one of the priests. I'm not blowing any trumpets. I'm not carrying the Ark of the Covenant. I'm just marching. I'm just a nobody. I'm just part of the crowd. But God knew who he was. And his part in a disobedient way was seen by God. And it caused everything to collapse. You're vital to the victory this Saturday. 
You are important to every soul that will be saved in these next two weekends. Whether you're preaching the sermon, singing a song, preparing some food, giving out prizes, running a game, it doesn't matter what your role is. Nobody would have said to Achan that morning, Achan, make sure you do right. Make sure you don't mess up. I mean, make sure because it's all dependent on you. But it turned out the collapse was all on him. As a student body, we want to make a difference tomorrow. We want to make a difference this weekend and next weekend. We have an awesome opportunity to do that. Only God knows the miracles that he wants to do this weekend. But we have to all individually say, you know what? I'm going to humbly comply to the command that God gives for me to go out and give the gospel. You say, well, I'm just not comfortable doing it. Probably there were people who weren't comfortable walking around that city. Well, I just don't feel like I have a big enough part. Probably some people thought, why am I doing this? Just let the leaders do it. Just let the people with the ram's horns and the people with the ark, let them march around. But we're all vitally important to this.